When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When Rose first saw Luke Skywalker look towards the twin sons of Tatooine, she knew much like Luke, her destiny was to take her far, far away from her Bay Area birthplace. Rose talks about her amazing journey helping orphans adjust to a new life with a loving family in the Ukraine, how Star Wars aids the children's healing process and helps them to find their place in the world. You'll never look at an episode of Star Wars Rebels the same again. I don't know, as an adult, you've got to be the one who keeps calm, even though you're like panicking inside. You're trying to think, okay, where are we going to go if they they storm into our town with tanks and roll across the border into our town? What are we going to do? But with the kids, you just want them to keep a normal life and go to school and not think about these things. So one of my ways to decompress with them was to be able to watch Rebels and be like, oh, look, you know, here on Lethal, they're fighting against the Empire. Uh, see how important it is to, to fight for what you believe in and your, to protect your homeland from people who come in. So it was always a lesson, like, why their friends, because their parents, their friends' dads were going to the front line. So we were talking about it all the time. So um, it was just, it was amazing how you can use Star Wars as a lesson, just a reason to bring it up and let them talk about it. This is Steel Wars Episode 211, Wartime Star Wars Fandom. Old Iranian Rose talks Star Wars in Ukraine. Hey guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we talk to someone of interest about it. And this week we have someone that I have a fascinating interest in because this is what I love about Star Wars, you guys, is how people from all walks of life... Um, all cultures can watch these same movies and it binds us. And then through social media, which is sometimes not the best place, we we can meet these like-minded people and um, it makes our experience on the planet far richer. And this week's guest uh, fits that description for me. If you are on the Star Wars Twitter area, of the internet, you might know her as at Old Iranian R. It's Old Iranian Rose, all the way from the Ukraine. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing so great. Greetings, all Steel Wars listeners. <laughs> How hard is it to keep up with Star Wars in the Ukraine? Let's see. I would say before Rebels, I wasn't following it closely at all. So, like, I never saw a trailer for The Force Awakens. I just saw that it was coming into theaters soon. And so I just showed up at the movie. I think I might have saw I, I saw the one trailer with Han Solo and Chewie saying, uh, we're home. And so I think I remember seeing that trailer, but that was it. And so, like, all the any kind of hype or talk um, about actors or any kind of discussion I didn't even know there was a problem with Finn being black, for example, a black stormtrooper. So I missed out on all that stuff. So basically until after Rogue One, I wasn't really in the zeitgeist. And so I didn't really know any discussion going on. I wonder 
how many people listening are jealous of you now? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nice to be in a blackout zone. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like when you said the thing about Finn being a stormtrooper, not knowing about it, I was like, oh, that'd be, that'd be really nice to not know about that. Sometimes it's tough to know what other people think when it's so conflicting with what you think. Yeah, and usually by the time I hear about this um, uh, debate or discussions, it's already long past and everyone's kind of come to terms with it and it doesn't even matter. So <laughs> it's just funny that people have to go through that process of anger at first and then it finally dies down. I like to just get to the die down part where everyone's okay with everything. Being totally in the bubble, you, you said you did get to see the, uh, the Han Solo We're Home trailer, which, you know, on... I remember for us when that came out, it was just like I couldn't wait to talk to as many people about it as possible and listen to as many podcasts and all that good stuff. How did that, not having sort of that that wave of fan excitement, you know, around it, like how meaningful was that trailer to you? Yeah, that was, um, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure I had tears coming out of my eyes when that happened when I saw them come on. Um, And I just, the... Uh, cinematography and the advancement in just the way the movie looked from 2005 when the last uh, Revenge of the Sith had been. It was just amazing to see such a transition. But I remember, yeah, not having anybody. I didn't know podcasts were a thing back then, but just going into the theater and I was so scared as I sat down that this movie was going to be horrible and Star Wars was going to be just off the rails. And I was like, and I have been like that every time until about the last Jedi. I think I finally sort of relaxed and now I'm not even worried about the rise of Skywalker, but I was just so nervous that this movie was going to be crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I, you say you're not even worried about the rise of Skywalker. I just don't have time to worry in advance. Like it's, it's such a weird thing of fandom now to sort of go in negatively about it. But I sort of, I'm going to worry about the things I don't like after I watch them. Not before. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like, what can we do about it? It's already in the works. I mean, yeah, it's it's silly to scream at JJ now. The movie's in the can and everything, so we'll see. Yeah, because I've heard some things about it where it's like, like I've heard things that I really like, and then I've heard things where I'm like, ooh, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting decision. But I'm not... I'm not going to sweat it until uh, the film comes out because uh, there was one thing that I didn't even know in the lead up to Revenge of the Sith, that there was going to be a scene, apparently, I I take my friend's words for this, (laughs) that Yoda gets pulled up by some clone troopers when he's trying to escape and he pretends he's like a simpleton and he passes wind. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's just what I've been told. And if I knew about that before the film came out, oh my God. <laughs> I would have just been campaigning out the front of the YouTube <laughs> inventor's house to hurry up and invent YouTube so I can, <laughs> so I can get angry. Oh, man. But I think um, our interaction started around, we are talking about Star Wars Rebels. Like, uh, h- how do you watch that in the Ukraine? Yeah, we have Disney Channel as well. Um, and so usually on that, uh, it'll come out a little later. Um, and when my parents in America, I 
have their um, also connection through like Slingbox, so I can watch it as well. Ah, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Let's let's start from the beginning. What was your entry point? What was your first memory of Star Wars? Yeah, I um, just was see. I was born after Star Wars came out, so left after Return of the Jedi. So I didn't know about it growing up, just because my parents weren't into it, and so. By the time I heard about it, I was 12 and in seventh grade. And a couple of girls in my study hall class uh, were always reading Legends books and had Star Wars books. And I uh, never really thought about it much. But one day we just started talking about movies and they found out that Harrison Ford was one of my favorite actors. And I loved Indiana Jones. That was one of my dad's favorite movies. And they're like, well, what about Star Wars? And I was like, I don't know what that is. And their eyes just lit up and they were just so excited to share everything they knew. So they sat me down every day and just told me the entire story from the beginning of A New Hope to the end of Return of the Jedi, every single line, every single moment. And one of them was an artist, so she would draw everything out, um, storyboarded on paper. So I heard Star Wars orally. Can I ask, were they better tellers of the Star Wars saga than C-3PO was in the Ewok village? (laughs) They didn't have his amazing sound effects. But they were really good at the jokes. Um, so I was already laughing at Han's jokes before I even heard them from his mouth. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And then w- when you watch the film, you're just like, hey, I've heard it. Heard it. You're a biter. <laughs> but I remember that moment when John Williams's force theme kicks in and Luke steps out and there's those two sons. And that just blew my mind. I, I remember thinking to myself at 12, just thinking, this is not Earth. I've never seen anything like this. And I never thought I could imagine anything like this. And it just really blew my imagination wide open. And I realized that there's so much more that we can accept and think about. It's just, it was an amazing moment. Nice. The cool thing about that scene is it's all so down to Earth. Like it's so, you know, it could be just about a, a kid that works on a farm that wants to go to college yeah, very human. and there's nothing futuristic about it and then he goes outside and looks up at the sun and then there's two but it's not like made a big deal of that there's two and yeah it's just part of the world yeah and it makes it so that's what made it so real was this like real life you know sort of soap opera scene taking place and then it's like low-key reminds you it's on another planet it's uh, yeah it's delicious now how did you lean into the prequels yeah the funny thing was then i only had a few years before the prequels came out so i always thought george lucas had everything planned out from the very beginning and this was just a continuation of the story i didn't know that People were like had waited. I I mean, I guess I understood. But since they had re-released the movies in the theater, a special edition, just it felt like Star Wars had started had always been around or something. I didn't realize how much it meant to people who had been into it for so long. So when I saw The Phantom Menace, I was already a teenager, 15. And I just remember, um, again, another one of those force moments was when the hangar doors open and there's Darth Maul and the Duel of the Fates is playing and he lights both sides of that saber. And I was just lost my mind again. I was on the edge of my seat thinking, oh, my goodness, George Lucas has done it again. Oh, my God. That that shot is... I, I, I always ponder whether they should have put it in the trailer or not. Do you know what I mean? Like, they are so... They seem so much more open with stuff like that in those days than they, they do now. But... 
ah, oh, the, the, the double, ah, oh, just the best, just the best. Yeah, I hadn't seen the trailer, so I didn't know it was in that. Ah, oh, but you're in, you, you're still in America then? Yeah, but um, I guess my family, we didn't watch TV much. We watched movies, so TV was hardly ever on. So it was either reading or movies. So somehow I missed it. <laughs> I was kind of out of the zeitgeist. I was shelter child. <laughs> so then, like, after Revenge of the Sith, like, what was your sort of, what, what, like, did you have a, a simmering point in your fandom? Yeah, I would actually say Phantom Menace, except for the, it had that one great moment, but the rest of the movie I was not a huge fan of, honestly. Um, and being at 15, you're like, I just, I walked out of the theater kind of sad and thinking, okay, I think I'm done. I think I'm too old for Star Wars. I think that's what's happened. Because uh, some of it, like Jar Jar and stuff, I just didn't find as humorous. I didn't hate it or anything. It just, I realized I was, I think, I was like, this is for kids, I think. And I don't think I'm too old for it. So with Attack of the Clones, I think I saw it a couple months after it came out at the Dollar Theater somewhere. And and then with Revenge of the Sith, though, now that I do remember the advertisements for. And I was in college and it was Darth Vader is coming. They showed his mask in the trailer or him, actually. And so I just knew I had to go see it. And that I remember everything about um, going to the theater, where I was in the theater, how packed it was on opening weekend. And so that was kind of my return to Star Wars, I would say, after a few years away. Age 15 is possibly the peak worst age to see The Phantom Menace for the first time. <laughs> because you're sort of, you know, becoming your own person and maybe getting, you know, a bit cynical and, and, and wanting to push away your childhood as you sort of reach to be an adult. And, yeah, to have um, Jar Jar at that point could be um because that was like what happened with the original trilogy you know by the time kids had followed it and they were you know 15 to 18 and they got met with the Ewoks you know a lot of people heathens I might add (laughs) blasphemy blasphemy I know uh weren't in to the Ewoks now so you're pretty psyched on Revenge of the Sith uh, then do you, do you hit up the Clone Wars or? Yeah, right after Revenge of the Sith um, that year, I moved to Ukraine. And so that was um, kind of saying, I said goodbye to the internet. <laughs> like it was just, that was, um, I went back in time. Basically when I came here, there was no communication that way. So just everything is so different here, um, especially what would that have been like 14 years ago or whatever, totally different time period. So um, they were still coming out of, an economic turmoil of the nineties and um, was very Soviet still here. So just a different, I just came to a different world. And so, yeah, Star Wars kind of get pushed back for a little while until we got the internet and then we could start watching clone wars in Russian because they had a great Russian translation. I didn't, we didn't have any Ukrainian at the time, but we had a Russian translation. So we were watching that all the time. Now, how are the translations done now? Because you sent me a clip of empire strikes back and as it was translated in Russian. And it's not like other translations I've ever seen where they have like actors, voice actors dub over. It's literally just the voice of a guy like reading out the subtitles while you still hear the characters talk. Like it's, it's constant talking. Yeah. When I first came here back in the early two thousands, I would come in the summer times to work um, and uh, they would put on a video for the kids at the orphanage and it would be an American movie with this guy, one voice for all the women, all the men. It didn't matter who was speaking, just the same voice doing everybody. 
and at the same monotone level and so you'd have someone screaming and then this guy would just be quietly saying what he was saying and you could hear the english in the background and i just it blew my mind i was like what is this it was the scene was han solo and princess leia in the hoth tunnel and they're having the 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 little uh argument and it was it was so bizarre that yeah this guy in the background's just very dryly uh reading out what they're saying but is it still done like that now uh you can uh, some tv shows if you want to watch online um the next day someone will have pirated it and done that with their voice just so you can hear it but there are now professional studios that will do it with all the voices and everything so not really anymore that was really popular back in the 80s and 90s um especially first it was bringing in videos from the western part of the world so either mostly western europe they would bring in movies and then they would um, secretly like dub over them because the Soviet Union, uh, the Soviet uh, leadership didn't want Western movies, but the people would bring them in and then you would record it on a VHS and then you would re- uh, copy that and send it out and they would copy that and send it out. So um, you could go to the local market and buy pirated movies of Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all the big action heroes, heroes Sylvester Stallone and Chuck Norris were really popular. You were saying, like, if you had a higher grade bootleg, it was like sort of having, like, a high-end item. Like, it was like having a, a fancy handbag, you know, <laughs> with a baton, if you had, a, like, a third-generation Die Hard 2. Yeah, exactly. So if you were the closer to the original, your copy would have less static or whatever it was called back then and so if you had a higher quality yeah you mean you had a a a hookup with the main source (laughs) (laughs) oh my god uncut bruce willis the way i like it (laughs) let's just go back a second and and talk about just a brief history of the ukraine and its relationship to uh russia just to establish uh I'm, i'm sure some people listening like know the country, but maybe like not its place in the world. Yeah, definitely. We're um, on the Western border of Russia between kind of Poland and Russia. Also, yeah, um, border countries like Romania, Hungary, Slovakia. And so we're in that area. And originally, well, originally it goes back a long history, but we'll do modern history. Um, In the late 1800s, it was, half of it or the western part was more with the polish and lithuanian empires and then the eastern part was always more with the russian czar empire and so by the time the revolution happened in 1918 that's when uh the russian empire or uh czar fell and so we were independent for a little while and then came the soviets and then they took over so ukraine's had a very brief existence on its own um, but it still has a very strong national identity, always has, um, even as a part of the Polish Empire, or the Russian Empire. And so they've always had their own language, even though it's been repressed at times by the Soviet Union or whatever. So there's um, and then it was under Soviet rule from 1918 until uh, 1991. So not that long ago. And what's your connection with there? Like what drew you to uh, start visiting? Um, a family I knew uh, where I lived, they had adopted a son, a little boy, when the Soviet Union fell from Ukraine. And I found out that there were um, like, I don't know, 100,000 kids in orphanages here in Ukraine. And they started 
asking, did anybody want to go back with them? They were going to go to orphanages and uh, do humanitarian aid work, pass out um, fruit and meet with the kids and just spend time with them, talk with them through translators. So I just, I was like, sure, I'd love to do that. And so I started coming in my free time during the summer, during high school. And then eventually when I finished and I did that all the way through college and I was studying Russian and um, eventually just came and stayed, didn't leave. So it was originally just coming to work with kids in orphanages. And uh, I met friends through that and eventually they invited me to come and work permanently. So I just came and did that. Wow. Did you ever imagine when you're uh, a 15 year old Jar Jar Binks dissing Star Wars fans <laughs> that this was ahead of you? Yeah, honestly, I think from the time I was about 12, when I saw those two sons, um, I was already with Wonderlust. I wanted to get out of our uh, small town in Indiana where my parents were at the time. And I just knew there was a bigger world out there. So I definitely wanted to go into the world. And I studied journalism and international relations in the university to do that, but ended up not using that degree and instead giving it up and coming to work with kids. Wow, that's... uh... Very inspiring, and the fact that you tie it back to like the twin sons moment is, um, I'm, I got a little bit of goosebumps there. You got me, Rose. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like it's funny how your life does kind of follow along a line with Star Wars. Is cool. It kind of grows up with you, and you, yeah, you see it in different lights as you get to different ages. Yeah, and it's you know again at the start of the podcast, I was talking about how we all watch the same thing from around the different planet and relate to it in different ways but i you know that twin sun moment you know growing up in a like a a beach town in australia that um you know was was pretty low-key as much as i love it but you know i related to luke skywalker in my way like how you related to him in your way and it's sort of although we went to vastly different places this is the yes. thing. We 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 both <laughs> saw that scene, right? This is what defines me and you on level of good peopleness, right? We both saw the same scene and it said to us both, we need to go somewhere else. And I came to LA, the most self-indulgent place <laughs> on the planet. And you're off to the Ukraine to help orphans. Oh my goodness, but I, I hope you know how much of a service you provide for so many people. For me, especially, I all just love listening to your podcast and laughing. I just love people who can enjoy Star Wars and kind of, I guess, I think the best people who can roast Star Wars or have fun with it are people who truly love it. I think it's just so fun to be with people who love it and yet can still have some fun with it and poke fun at it. And I think that's the best way to be, is just enjoy it in all areas. Wow. You just instantly made me feel so much better. Thank you. <laughs> How are you saying about how Star Wars fans, you know, that, that roast it as sort of like super fun? I remember, and I was thinking about this the other day because Mad Magazine announced they were going to uh, close up shop or the at least the print edition. And I remember being quite young and getting Mad Magazine, probably getting into Mad Magazine because of the Star Wars specials that they'd have and how oh, they'd, cool. they'd, they'd do the story. And... I remember reading one and one of the jokes on the first page where every character is saying something in the opening page. I remember thinking, that's mean. Why are you being like that? that, (laughs) Like that's pointing out a bad point of Star Wars. And 
I didn't I didn't appreciate it. Oh yeah, I was just thinking of uh, uh, this week's Star Wars uh, show. I don't know if you saw it, um, but they had oh, I forget pa- Peter. What's his last name? Travis B. Is that correct? Um, oh, Townie. Oh yeah, there we go. Peter Townie. Did you see this week's? No, I heard he was back on it though for a cameo. But yeah, what- it was a joke segment, and it, the first thing they did, it was um they did it in the style of unsolved murder or unsolved mysteries. Was that that old show it was called? Yeah, 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 and- yeah. And he was showing different um, mistakes like the Coke can and Attack of the Clones on the balcony where they're on uh, Lake Country in Naboo. I don't know if I'd never even seen that before. And then the New York on Luke's lightsaber in uh, Empire Strikes Back on Hoth. And there were a few of those type mistakes that fans have pointed out. And are, uh, but he was they were just making fun of it. And I just thought it was the best little clip I'd ever seen. It was just so funny. They were I just laughed so hard. That's all. I, I've never even heard of that Coke can. I know. I blew my mind. I had never seen, I'd heard of almost, I, there was another one before that, that I had heard of, but I had never seen that Coke can before. Yeah. How um, reflective is it of the times that I, I'm a pretty heavily into Star Wars, as are you. And we'd never heard of that Coke can, but on Game of Thrones, the Starbucks cup <laughs> was like world news. Yeah. <laughs> it, was on the, it was on the front page of news websites. This was, out of everything happening on the planet today, this is one of the most important things you need to know about. <laughs> exactly. A, a TV show had a cup. And did they apparently CGI it out for, like, repeat screenings? I don't know. I watched it originally, so I saw it. I don't know about afterward. Game of Thrones special edition. Exactly. Lucas Maybe they were getting ahead of it in uh, Star Wars, like Lucasfilm. They were getting ahead of the scandal on this one. Yeah, Lucas and Rick McCollum. So, is the is the Coke can still in it? Have they got rid of the Coke can? Can I put in the Blu-ray now and and watch this Coke That'd can? Be awesome. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. I don't know. Because yeah, you'd think you'd you'd kind of get rid of that. We've established how you got to the Ukraine, but let's let's talk about. Star Wars's history in uh, in Russia and in the Ukraine. Like famously, I think the biggest sort of if you googled Star Wars Russia, you'd probably get an article about Ronald Reagan and yeah, exactly his missile defense system, which he was yeah. which was called Star Wars to um, you know combat any uh, any missile menace. And apparently, George yeah. Lucas like hated it. That I'm not sure if he tried to do anything legally to stop them using it, but <laughs> I know he wasn't a fan um, of that. At least uh, the new USA um, Space Force isn't named after anything Star Wars related. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's close, though. It's close. <laughs> now, apparently... And you'll be able to tell me a bit more about this. Star Wars, it didn't get screened in, like, Russia until, like, 1988? Yeah, or was it 91, even? Um, or maybe it was 88 at a, at a film festival? Yeah, I think it was. I'm trying to remember the exact date on that. But, yeah, it wasn't, it didn't make it here legally until, yeah, at a, yeah, I guess it was 1988, I think, um, at a film festival in Moscow. It was one of the, The Empire Strikes Back was one of the films they screened. And so a select few were able to get in. 
Oh yeah, February 1988, I found it. Yeah, so it was, um, I think, well received, but it, it people really didn't know about it except unless you lived in Moscow and you were invited to that special premiere. But there was a long list, uh, line around the block for it, so it was very popular. Well, that's they're they're already Star Wars fans. Then that's that's yeah. the, that's the unifying force of Star Wars fans is our ability to want to stand wedged in other Star Wars fans waiting for a Star Wars event. I, when I was reading through this, I didn't pick up on the first Star Wars film that was shown was the Empire Strikes Back. It wasn't actually Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why they did that, but they must have decided that was the most artistic of them or something. Well, they, they, they might not be wrong there. But it's an interesting thing to sort of headcanon about what would be like if you watched Empire Strikes Back as your first film, like trying to work out who everyone is. Yeah, why are Leia and Han arguing? What's this about <laughs> exactly? Yeah, well, it's such a fascinating sort of, like sort of starting in the middle, like as things get going. Because like Star Wars, that it's episode four, you know, it, it, it's sort of cool that things have already happened that they sort of talk about but don't explain, like the Clone Wars and stuff like that in, in A New Hope. So I wonder yeah. if that would have the same effect when you're watching Empire and like... You you would expect, how about this? You would expect, if you watched Empire Strikes Back, just say that was the first film, right? And then George Lucas says, I'm going to make some Star Wars prequels. All fans on the internet would be like going, oh, that they have to show what happens at Ord Mandel. They'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll have to have that bounty hunter. Don't you think? They'd have to yeah, put that in. the only movie they'd seen. That was the one thing they were waiting for. <laughs> That'd be so cool. It'd be like... Ord Mandel, a Star Wars story. It'd be, <laughs> it'd be a hit. So when did Star Wars, was it sort of more through video than um, theatrical screenings that sort of Star Wars build up a fan base? Yeah, um, I get, I'm trying to think. Well, actually, I think the fan base started coming around when the prequels finally came in the later 90s, so like 99 and then on into the 2000s. And so I don't, I'm trying to think, I've, ne- I've never met anybody personally who saw a prequel film in a theater, and I've asked a lot of people. So um, at movie theaters, when I first came here in 2002, there was like one theater in, there was an old Soviet theater in every town, but um, most of them didn't play any of the new movies. So it was just hard to f- get access to them. Um, or people just didn't go to the theater because it was such an economic hard time in the 90s. So well, it's not a big part of the culture and I just haven't met anyone who's seen the prequels. Um, but more, yeah, I would say on DVD or on TV, that's when they started coming out in the 2000s when they put them on uh, television. That's when people started to see them. One of the most surprising facts that you sent me was the first screening of A New Hope on television it was it was not a success because they had to like pull the screening three hours before it was meant to screen because they realized the copy they had was a pirate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just play it. I think maybe yeah. it, maybe they were worried that it was such a uh, bad version that everyone would think that the TV station had no budget. They weren't very successful. Exactly. Oh, with the bootlegging and. 
I know like the films that were sort of a bit more action packed, like Die Hard, and you know that sort of like Sylvester Stallone, Chuck Norris was like super popular. But with Star Wars fans now, like we always like to you know reminisce, get a bit hipster, and you know want to listen to a vinyl copy of the soundtrack and all that sort of stuff. Is 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 part of the fan base in the Ukraine like, oh, let's kick back and watch an old pirated version of A New Hope? Is that how, like, older fans remember how it was back in the day? Yeah, I was reading some comments under that, under some of those one voice translation videos and a lot of them were saying ah oh, this is how i remember it this is the way this was the best back then <laughs> <laughs> there are people out there that really pine for those days i guess perfect star wars fans it's i'm <laughs> everything everything that we're introduced with when we were a kid it's the best and it doesn't matter what it was <laughs> True. Just, it was like however we got star wars it was just the best thing ever. Independently produced podcasts like Steel Wars live and die off listener word of mouth. Listeners just like you. If you're enjoying this episode with Old Iranian Rose, please pod it forward. The latest episode is normally always pinned to the top of my Twitter and Facebook feeds, making it super easy for you to share and forward to friends and family alike. If you get us one extra download, you have really helped us out. And if you're on iTunes, a sweet five-star review always bumps us up the rankings and lets other potential listeners know what we're all about. Thanks so much for your support and enjoy the rest of the show. Now, you sent me some interesting thoughts about why Star Wars wasn't as popular as as perhaps the uh, the Bruce Willis films are. And it, it kind of centered around how, like, Luke as a hero didn't relate to audiences there. Yeah, and that was that's totally my kind of... I was, like, an opinion I was forming as I was reading about the movies that were chosen to be brought into. And I don't know, maybe it was just them, but it was a certain type of Soviet man, I guess, who was traveling um, to Western Europe and choosing what movies to bring back to pirate. Uh, Cause like I was talking to my uh, lots of ladies and women and they were saying that when they were kids, I was like, well, is there any like romantic comedies or anything? They're like, no, there were male comedies and there were male action stars and anything uh, for women wasn't really brought in. I was like, okay. So I guess it kind of tells you who was bringing in the movies and what they were choosing. What is the, the documentary Chuck Norris versus communism? Oh, yeah. I, I highly recommend this um, for anyone interested. It's a story, the true story, about uh, the video pirating underground bootleg um, in Romania during the 80s, kind of near the end of the fall of the Soviet Union there, and how the explosion of Western film coming into Romania, these action heroes became a part of kind of the downfall of the Ceausescu government. And um, it's the same story with that one voice. There was a, there was a lady um, in the government and no one knew who she was, but she was a minister of some sort who would take these videos to a private recording studio and do her voice. And she was famous all over the country. Everyone wanted her translation. And so, and she was a minister and other ministers knew it and they would get videos from her as well. Um, and nobody stopped her, so she must have had some powerful friends. And but it's just an amazing movie about how these actions uh, movies got passed around, 
And um, eventually, yeah, just Western idealism really came into the country and brought down the government. So this minister, she was kind of like a like a voiceover superhero, like working exactly. with a, a a secret identity. Yeah, yeah, and no one knew her name. They just they I think um or they. They knew her first name or they, they gave her a name and that's what everybody called the translation. They're like, do you have Nina's translation? That's all I want. So uh, she was famous all over the country, but only a select few actually knew who she was inside of the government. But when she talked at work, didn't anyone say, <laughs> you sound exactly like Nina? <laughs> I'm sure, yes. I think all her co-workers knew. I think she used her government like equipment there to do it. This is the worst superhero secret identity. Exactly. This bumps out Clark Kent's glasses as, like, the worst ever secret identity. Oh, so you've got the same voice. Yes, exactly. But it's not me. I'm just sitting at this recording Special kind of corruption in the old Soviet Union, yeah. (laughs) We appreciate it. Now... Working with the in the orphanages, when did you sort of start showing like Star Wars to the kids there? Yeah, and then um, so when I finally moved here in 2006, we started um, opening homes for Ukrainian uh, couples who wanted to become foster parents because that was a brand new thing in Ukraine. They had never done a family type home where you would actually instead of putting the child who had lost, uh, who was a ward of the state and their parents had lost their parental rights. They used to just be put in an orphanage and be called orphans officially on paper, even though they, most of them had living relatives, living uh, parents, but who were usually alcoholic or um, on drugs and just couldn't take care of them. So their parental rights had been severed. So these kids, uh, they were trying to move towards Europe at this point, And they had decided they really wanted to cut down on orphanages and bring kids into homes. So we started opening homes. And so that's when I started actually living with them and living with families who are bringing in kids. And at that point you become more like a member of the family with them. And so you're helping these kids adjust to home life and what's it like to be part of a family with a mom and a dad. And so that's when I was able to start spending time with them. And they were really young at the beginning. So we started more with like Disney stuff at first, but eventually as they got older, I couldn't wait to share with them uh, Star Wars. So that eventually came out. And I guess for context of like the daily life of like like what sort of like what sort of town do you live in? Oh, so we're in the central part of Ukraine, and uh, our town is about two hundred thousand, and uh, it's the capital of its state or oblast. So it's um it's it's got a lot of universities. It's very uh, kind of a smaller but vibrant town. And we live about 10 minutes outside of town by car. And so we live in a little village. So we have our garden and a a forest nearby. So you can, um, the kids can play outside, ride their bikes and just have a lot of free space to roam and be loud and not upset all the neighbors. And as far as like Western culture, is there, you know, like a McDonald's or a 7-Eleven or is there like, like how, I guess, um... Like, built up is the area. Yeah, when I first moved here in 2006, there was nothing. No McDonald's, uh, grocery. There wasn't even grocery stores yet. Well, there, there was one grocery store. What, what I mean by that is a supermarket where you go in and you can pick yourself what you want. And before that, you had to go into a store and there was a lady behind 
one part of the counter and she was selling the sausage and meat and you would tell her what you wanted and then you would pay her and then you would go to the next uh, lady, you know, three feet away and she would be selling cheese and you'd tell her what you want and she'd give it to you and you'd pay her. So that was the old system. So everything was really just coming around to starting to pop in uh, Western things. And then, but no McDonald's. So we used to travel, my friend and I, to to Kiev, two hours away, get on a bus and go to McDonald's. Because <laughs> that was like the most special thing you could do. And so that was our like special once a month to get, like keep our sanity. And then um, eventually in 2000, I think... Uh, 11 that's when they built the mall we finally got a mall here and they got a mcdonald's and movie theaters now and bowling and everything you could think of so now we're really entering western ukrainian or western european space it sounds like stranger things season three <laughs> exactly we did have that happen and then like that there would have been a lot of russians at your mall as well so it would have been a lot like <laughs> Strange yeah. things, season three. That is um, that is a bizarre. It's, it's all connected. It's all connected. It's all, Stranger it's all... Things uh, season three. We started watching it on Netflix, and we watched it in Russian. And eventually, one of the kids is like, "I think are these people actually Russian?" Because I didn't. Even... <laughs> and one of the kids is like, "What's that guy wearing? That's a Soviet Union uniform." I was like, "Oh yeah, probably." <laughs> so Alexi, everybody spoke Russian, so there wasn't like a Russian. It was just hilarious. It was too much. <laughs> That is very funny. Uh, is excellent. It was. It's sort of like they should do it in reverse, and the and the Russian should speak English. Yeah. <laughs> to get that effect. Wow, that is. Oh my god, that sounds like a joke someone wrote that is actually real life. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Oh, that is so good. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The unrest there is like in that region is would be very unfamiliar to the majority of people listening to this podcast. Describe how that affects just your your day to day life. Yeah, so back in 2013, at the end of the year, is when um, there was a protest to bring Ukraine closer to the European Union, and the president at the time was against it and the students uh, protested and then he sent um his secret police or just uh what, i don't know police to go and they beat them up and so that became a whole thing and the people came out into the streets and so that was at the end of 2013 beginning of 2014 is when it started to turn violent and protesters were killed and we didn't we honestly didn't know what was going to happen at that point um and so 2014 was kind of when the conflict started and uh, just as our that president fled because of the rest, the unrest with the people in the streets is when I think that was kind of the time that Russia got a little bit worried about wh- where Ukraine was headed. Are they going to become more European when they'd prefer to keep them in their sphere of influence? And so that was when um, Russia invaded Crimea and ever since then uh, and into eastern Ukraine. And so ever since then, we've been uh, kind of this war. It was it was really hot at first in 2014, 2015, 16. 
And now it's more of a cold stalemate where the lines are drawn and there's a no man's land with the most mines anywhere else in the world. So, um, yeah, I mean, we have more mines in that area than we, even in Africa. We're the number one, I think, for that area. So that's all in eastern Ukraine. It's uh, pretty far from where we are. So we don't actually have to live through that every day. But everybody here knows somebody who went to the war when it first started or uh, we have friends that still go there and serve the soldiers that are on the front lines now. So it's still definitely in the zeitgeist. And kids at school here learn how to deal with um, hand grenades and guns. Uh, just it's like part of life of the older kids, I should say. Not just every kid gets one, but there's I guess what would I don't know what the military training or mm-hmm. kind of just um, yeah not military training I guess introduction. I don't know what the right word would be for that, but just um, having some familiarity with military items. Some sight. And we have it. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. Just knowing. Um, like our kids learned, where do you stand when the bombs fall? Where's the best place in the house to be? So it just, it kind of blows my mind that that's just normal. Like one day I can remember going to McDonald's with the kids and up, they have screens in McDonald's that usually showing very odd fashion shows from some part of Europe that I'm like, what is this? But once uh, a, a cartoon came up and I was looking at the cartoon and it was from UNICEF, which is the United Nations Children. Fund and they were just uh, had cute little kids playing in a garden, saying, "If you find um, explosives, make sure you tell an adult and don't touch them." And it was just like, "Okay, we live in a different time period now." Oh my god! Wow. And how? Like for instance, like that sounds super dangerous to me. And but then people like back home in Australia, they hear about you know, the dangers here in, in, in America, you know, whether it's, it's natural or otherwise. And I'm like, it's fine. It's like, that is bad, but like, it's like, it's not in the front of my mind. Like how, like in the front of your mind, like are those dangers? Yeah. It's, it's kind of the exact same for us. It's if it's not immediately here, then it's not really um, like an immediate problem and you're not really worried about it. I think we all went through a very scary point in 2014 when the war started and we didn't know how far the Russian troops were going to come in. And so there was a lot of talk about our town. We have a huge military base and we were one of the targets um, near a border. So we were just not sure what was going to happen. And so there was a lot of fear back then. But as you start to you start to realize pretty quickly that if you're going to live in that fear, you're going to just be miserable. So you just kind of had to let that go and be like, okay, well, if it happens, we'll deal with it when it comes. And uh, so that you just kind of let it go. And eventually, like I said, it kind of cooled down. And now it's just in a very small part of the country. So even Ukrainians themselves hardly ever talk about it or think about it, which is also a problem. I think it's unfortunate because there are still, there is still conflict there, but most people prefer not to deal with it or talk about it. Yeah, the human, I don't know what you describe, the psyche or the whatever, it's so malleable to adjust. You just build up a tolerance and you I don't know, something in your brain, like adjust yourself to sort of pump more of, of some endorphin to help you sort of like put it in the back of your mind. It, it, it's so strange. And, and some people obviously do it more than others to the planet's detriment, I guess. Um, yeah, sure. Kind of a weird thing to be talking about on a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> but I do have to say, speaking of Star Wars, 
every time you've mentioned the word war, I've kind of like flinched because it's the half the name of this thing we watch for entertainment. Like how is like for kids and, and for you that like live in the fear of war, like how is watching something called Star Wars, is, is that jarring or it's just like those words sort of just mean different things next to different words? Yeah, I think it's amazing how much my experience with Star Wars has changed. And maybe that's part of why I love Rebels so much is because it kind of came about right in that horribly traumatic time period of late night, uh, late 2014, when all this was going down. Um, and just with the kids, I don't know, as an adult, you've got to be the one who keeps calm, even though you're like panicking inside. You're trying to think, okay, where are we going to go if they, if they storm into our town with tanks and roll across the border into our town? What are we going to do? But with the kids, you just want them to keep a normal life and go to school and not think about these things. So one of my ways to decompress with them was to be able to watch Rebels and be like, oh, look, you know, here on Lethal, they're fighting against the Empire. Uh, see how important it is to, to fight for what you believe in and your, to protect your homeland from people who come in. So it was always a lesson, like why their friends because their parents their friends dads were going to the front line so we were talking about it all the time so um it was just it was amazing how you can use star wars as a lesson just to kind of talk about it and and some just a reason to bring it up and let them talk about it and so they had quite a few interesting things to say about palpatine we were talking about the prequels a lot and watching the clone wars and so they saw a lot of parallels with his kind of government um and the the Russian government. So it was kind of, it was good for them to have some kind of outlet to talk about as well. Wow. The the way you describe it, it sounds like Rebels was like the perfect bit of media for you guys to, to have. Yeah. And I, I, I just remember, well, first, I mean, it had that great feel of, oh, wow, this is like, it's the time period of the original trilogy. And they had done such a great job artistically to really, uh, adhere to Ralph McQuarrie's uh, designs, and it just had that feel. So it was great for me as an old Star Wars fan, but the kids coming into it were just uh, love the story, especially of Ezra, who's an orphan himself, uh, lives on the streets, and most of them have come from the streets and uh, know what it's like to be alone and not have any family that um, uh, can take care of you or loves you. And to find, uh, for him to find a family with these people that he worked with. Um, and treated him as one of their own. It was just amazing to see kind of his journey and to watch the kids. And I had one of them. So he started when he was, I guess, 12 with that show. And then just recently when season four finished, he would have been 16. And he, he came up to me and he's like, you know, I always thought I was Ezra, but I think I'm actually Kanan. I'm finding I'm more of a leader than I thought I was. And it was just, that was just a cool thing to hear. It was just really cool to see how Star Wars has started affecting their lives. I would often chastise the character of Ezra for continually learning the the meaning of family at the end of episodes. It, it seemed to be uh, an ongoing, you know, there's nothing more important than family. It was like a lesson that he'd learned several times throughout the series. And I would, in jest, make fun of that. But how does that message resonate with, like, kids that, like, don't have a family traditionally and are sort of, you know, looking to you and their like the the other kids that are they're they're with to establish their own sort of um, 
their own sort of unique family. How does that sort of message translate? Yeah, definitely. That's like a huge thing when these kids come to us of just the word family doesn't really mean anything to them just because their home lives have been so radically different from perhaps like what we would hope a family would be a loving environment for a child to grow up in. And so coming into a stranger's home and figuring out where your place is in that. And we just try to provide as much unconditional love as possible just to make sure that they know that this is a safe place and they can be themselves and they'll be loved as they are. And so for them to be able to watch Ezra's journey after they've gone up through a bit of their own is to also see themselves in him and to, and that's not, and it's interesting because when a kid does come into a family, it's not like an overnight thing. Oh, I'm so grateful. Now I have a mom and a dad who love me. It's a life, it's a lifelong struggle and it takes years to help heal the wounds that um, they've had afflicted on them from past hurts and the people who should have loved them giving them up or abandoning them, them uh, they definitely are dealing with that their whole lives. And so the, to see somebody else realize that, I guess, family isn't just DNA. It's the people who love you and care about you. And that's how, that's a, just an amazing message that Ezra was able to share with them. That is so cool. It's, I, 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 I get, I just so love that other fans like can get that meaning out of Star Wars that I got, even if like it's in a total different way with a totally different character. Yeah. But that, you know, for everyone, there's, there's something in there that can sort of, you know, enrich them and, and sort of help them sort of understand their place in the world and uh, how to make, you know, decisions about that place is, uh, and, and the fact that, you know, for all it's, like, you know, it's, you know, nerd nitpickings and all that sort of stuff about Star Wars Rebels. It's kind of proof that it was a very good story when a, a pretty unintended audience, you know, that I, I, I very much doubt um, orphans in the Ukraine are on the um, the Disney, on, on the on the demographics, on the, on the demos. They're not sort of um, catering to the Ukraine demo as yet. But the fact that, you know, kids there can watch a show that, that, that's made for, um, you know, the rest of the world and really relate to it sort of proves that it's, uh, it's a, a pretty good chunk of Star Wars and, 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 and like myth. Yeah, and I was just thinking the other day that one of the most ingenious things that George Lucas did was to make, I think it was him, uh, Galactic Basic. It's spoken in whatever language you want, but it written, it's in no co- common language. So it, it, when they speak here in Ukrainian, the kids see Galactic Basic written in some weird alien type figures. So for them, basic is Ukrainian and just basic is what you're listening to. I think that's just amazing. Instead of English letters, for example, because that would take you out of it in that moment, you'd be like, Oh, that says something that I can read in English. But I just think that was so cool that the kids can totally get immersed with that. Oh, so I was, yeah, I didn't realize you meant that the Arabic, but yeah. So the lettering. Yeah. There's so many movies that you do get taken out of, even when it's translated, um, dubbed, I should say dubbed into your language that everything is still written on English and everything else. Or if someone looks at a cell phone text message that comes up so much in these movies nowadays that you're like, if you're, um, only speak Russian, don't read English. Their kids are always like, what's that say on his cell phone? What are they talking about? So this was really cool. I think in the star Wars universe that you don't have that issue. Uh, cause nobody can read the basic basically. So it's all verbal. 
That is so cool. And it also, because it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it's like not established in, like even like a lot of futuristic films, like when they're on Earth, they're in like North America. So it's, exactly. it's sort of yeah. grounded back to like, you know, like America's future rather than like this like totally disjointed past that seems like the future. Yeah. I guess just on that whole, like the the war part of Star Wars and your life there, like do kids sort of like explosions and stuff, is, is that is that just too far removed to be jarring for them? Like, is there like a need, I guess, of any part of Star Wars, like to be censored from them? I don't, uh, not culturally. They wouldn't do anything. I did, like, I just know the family I live with, they actually came from the war zone in the East. So they were living there when it was invaded. And so they've gone through like, oh, they have a lot more um, experience being in the, the actual conflict zone. And so like the mom in that family prefers that I don't show any of her kids uh, that aren't teenagers yet, anything Star Wars, which is fine. I just hang out with the older boys who have already seen all the action movies. So they're totally fine with it. It affects them differently. But um, yeah, culturally, no, I think they I, actually, with the lessons of being this Imperial presence, uh, which has a history of its own in Ukraine. It, it has a pretty good um, support for it um, in the culture here. Now you've like, you, you live in a place that has like many upfront sort of issues that like sort of seem so like make sort of star Wars, you know, this character is in this, like all this seem you know, so trivial in, um, in comparison, but you are online on Twitter, like chatting about all those things. Like how much is that sort of escape of like complaining or congratulating something that's pure entertainment? Like how helpful is that to sort of like break up your week? Yeah, that's just been awesome. And I, I've only uh, entered onto star Wars Twitter and into the star Wars community since after the last Jedi. That was when I first came in just because on uh, my personal like uh, Facebook or whatever, I was seeing all these comments of star Wars has been ruined. It's never going to be the same again. And I was like, what is, what's happening? I, um, I was shocked because I had, I had loved the movie and my kids had loved it and I had had such a great experience. And all of a sudden I've seen all this negative negativity, especially from this one person who I found out later, hadn't seen the movie until weeks later when he said, Oh, it's actually not that bad but all his damage had been done up to that point. So it was just confusing. And then I went online and I started to see a lot of um, just not kind words to each other for people who liked it or didn't. And I felt very disconnected from what I had always known Star Wars to be and that community. And then I just um, started seeing a lot of uh, negativity towards creators and against actors and actresses. And I was like, I have got to get involved somehow. So I'm like, if the only thing I do is just get online and tell people it's okay to like that movie. I liked it. Uh, if you liked it too, let me know. <laughs> You're not alone. And I just thought I had to get online just for that one reason. I had to make sure my voice was kind of countering the other voices going on at that point. Like, it's so interesting that you've moved countries to like help the future of orphans, but yet you're online going... I, I need I need to let people know knowing this uh, top ten film of all time is okay to enjoy. 
You're everywhere. You are everywhere. <laughs> You're funny. I I definitely like. I'm so protective of like Kelly Marie Tran, Ryan Johnson. I will like go to bat for these people. I just I want to protect the creators. I just think. <laughs> How much life they poured into, especially Ryan Johnson, my goodness, any director of any film, how much time they spend and all their effort and um, just knowing how much you pour your heart into something and then just to get attacked. I mean, I can understand not liking a movie, but to personally attack anybody over it just seems ridiculous. So I just needed to be like, I got to get my voice out there and I just wanted to talk to creators. I'm so excited when I can interact with a creator online in the Star Wars Twitter universe or online sphere and just tell them how much I love them and I love your work. And your podcast is one of those. I just want you to know how much I love it. And um, I was just at San Diego Comic-Con in 2018 was when I first really discovered you. Um, and that's that was just my favorite experience uh, watching the Clone Wars Saved panel um, and just hearing about it and all your videos there. And just, I don't know, finding that community and making sure that people know that what they're doing is so important and so uh, impactful in people's lives. Thank you so much. Uh, how, like, did you um like start getting into podcasts just through twitter yeah actually youtube i think is where i found your videos first and yeah you were honestly my first one and then i was like oh podcast what is this thing and i think i might have stumbled upon then um like some of the bigger channels like jedi council and stuff and um so i went back and watched a lot of their old stuff and figured out pretty fast i was like okay not for me i'm gonna find something else so i found um yeah just like lots of a smaller podcast i guess yeah on twitter i think that's the best way to say so you first started watching or listening at comic con last year for the clone wars saved did you listen to the podcast episodes with Corey reacting to that news yes i yes he was so excited that was great and just everybody i yeah i'd been ribbing him about it coming back and he was so certain it was and nobody else was it was great now as someone that, you know, guides youths through their lives, what, what what advice would you have for Corey? What 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 words of wisdom to set Corey off on his um post croc lifestyle? <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, just keep being true to yourself and what you love and who you are and um yeah, just take hold of every day as a new adventure and uh, just know that yeah, what you're doing matters and we're just so excited. I always love seeing whatever he posts and is in what he's up to and just know that he has a huge heart and yeah, it just, it's a better place um, because of him around. It's so much better a place. I was at Comic-Con this year and I was like, oh, I wish, wish I was, I, I kept texting him because I missed, I missed walking around with him so much at Comic-Con. So I, I rarely text people, but I had, um, I, I had, post Coriitis or something, which doesn't sound very good. <laughs> I watched your guys' video reaction to the new toys coming out at um, San Diego Comic-Con this year. I thought that was hilarious. I was laughing pretty hard. He is, he is scathing reviews of some things. <laughs> <laughs> passionate, passionate reviews. Yes. <laughs> passionate reviews. Oh. We've got coming up. I'm interested to know, we've got The Mandalorian. That's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Is is there going to be... Are you aware of whether that's going to be out in the Ukraine? Yeah, that was funny. When that first um, article came out about the first type of... Um, any kind of notification about dates, it had mentioned in the United States in November, in the EU 
sometime in 2020. And then it listed um, a few other countries and then somewhere at the end it was and Eastern Europe in the future or something. So I, I definitely heard, like heard that as, oh, okay, we might see this at some point in the future. What about the rise of Skywalker? That will be at the cinema there? Yes, definitely. Yep, all the new movies come out here. Yeah, so it will be. And is there a delay? No, usually we get it a day or two before the United States, usually the day before. Nice. That's I always enjoy that because, you know, growing up in Australia, I think we had to wait three weeks for The Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. So I, I enjoy now that Australia gets like that, that one day leg up. Except I'm now in America, so that might come back to bite me this time around. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll try our best. We'll try our best. And when you go see it, is it just like the American theatrical version or is there subtitles or is it dubbed? It is totally dubbed. Everything here is dubbed, yeah. And you're... And then if they have an alien language, they'll do Ukrainian subtitles at the bottom. Gotcha. So you'll hear the same. The aliens will talk the same as they do here. Yes, exactly. Okay. Although they don't really have many subtitled aliens anymore, which is something I I pine for. Yeah, yes, yeah. I haven't thought about that, but yeah, you're right. They don't do that much anymore. Get your hatties back going, you guys. Udu <laughs> slimo. <laughs> Steel Wars on Patreon is a great way to get multiple bonus Steel Wars episodes a week, or in the case of the first week of August, four bonus episodes a week. Our new Patreon show, Page Wars, with our friend King Tom reading everything in Star Wars literature and reporting back so we don't have to, has been met with great enthusiasm and we've already got two episodes of that up covering star wars myths and fables and the hotly anticipated thrawn treason whilst the producer rashad is back for his pop culture chat show sadu and on this episode we cover quentin tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood and it's star wars callbacks they're there you just have to look really close. Our other Patreon bonus shows include our regular weekly Patreon listener Q&As, the rambling yet opinionated Star Wars chatter of the Robbo Report, and our regular look at Star Wars history on Star Wars Year by Year with Blue Harvest's Hawes Burkhart. Plus, our Clone Wars rewatch with Clone Wars Corey is about to begin. Now, this month of August, we have got some special deals for the Patreon. Now, if you just want access to every bit of content that the Steel Wars podcast has ever made, over 600 episodes, classic interviews, Q&As, movie commentaries, live comedy festival shows, and so much more, that is just $3. You put an RSS feed into your phone very easily, and it downloads on your podcatcher like any other podcast. Now, if you want bonus things sent to you this month only for August, $5 will get you all that content and a fat Steel Wars sticker pack sent out to you. Likewise, if you want to drop $15 for the month, 
I will throw in the sticker pack and a Steel Wars t-shirt of your size, postage paid to your nominated postal address, which is actually about $35 of value. And you're supporting the continued production of the podcast. Check out these August Patreon specials at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. The link is in those show notes. What we always want to know, you know, we just mentioned a few of the things that were coming out. Mandalorian, the Rise of Skywalker. We've got Clone Wars saved and and many other projects. What what, what are you most looking forward to coming out? Um, well, yeah, the Rise of Skywalker would be number one. And then after that, I think I'm actually most excited about the Cassian Andor series. That Rebellion timeline again and just uh, hitting up right before Rogue One or in that Rebels period, we might actually see some of those characters that I just love so much, which would be Jimmy Smith playing Bail Organa. I'd love to see him return. Perhaps uh, maybe even the actress who played Bray Organa could come back. That'd be amazing. And um Maybe a live-action Hera or Thrawn, something like that would be so cool. Nice. Now, one thing that was sort of, you know, you talk about Star Wars with, with such joy and you talk about the, the, the orphans that you help out, with, you know, and, and the families with such sort of tenderness. But, you know, you did grow up in America and it's... Like, it sounds like sometimes it's pretty tough there. What what keeps you there? I think, um, yeah, I was talking about this with a friend that as a kid um, born in California and then a little before I started school, we moved to Indiana and my, my siblings who were like 20 years older than me, they stayed in California. So we always split our time between the two states and those two states are very different. So I just never felt at home anywhere. Um, because I was growing up in one culture, but always felt like I was a part of another culture. And just, it was always felt like I just couldn't find my place. And when I came to Ukraine and started working with my friends here and the teammates I met, I just fell in love with the culture and with them. And, and they just adopted me into their families. Their grandmas all know me and their aunts and uncles. And I go to all their family birthdays and I just became a part of the life here. And I really found my home finally. And these are my people. And I, I plan on dying here. I just love it. I, this is my home now. And um, I, I just, this is where I'm meant to be. So I'm just so thankful that my U- Ukrainian adopted homeland has taken me and allowed me to be a part of them. That's a perfect answer. <laughs> that is, um, it's so nice to hear that you, you've found like a place where you fit. Cause that's what we all want. I've, I've, I've worked yeah. out. I, I so appreciate you like taking time out to to chat to us, and you're uh, a, I, I always I hesitate using the word positive because sometimes that's sort of caught up in um, being a hundred percent positive and not analytical. But oh sure, yeah, yeah, you can be critical about Star Wars in uh, a, like a, a positive way. And, and, and they're the sort of people I love to, um, you know, that, that do like and not like, other, you know, things about it. Their enthusiasm or emotion about it is adjusted to um, the level that a, a, a space film that's very good deserves in relation to the rest <laughs> yeah. of the planet, you know? Which is, is, is that sort of jarring to you that, like, the things that, like, people decide to ruin their day over about a, uh, a space film? 
yeah, definitely. I feel sorry for anyone who spends too much time lamenting over a film that already was or a theory that they didn't get or that they think is coming. I just, um, yeah, it just feels like a waste. I'm just sorry for them because it just seems like once it happens, it happens and you had no control over it in the first place. So just, yeah, better to live your life happily. Well, what what's like one of the your Ukrainian Star Wars kid friend fans... What are the egg gripes about Star Wars? Ooh, gripes. Um, well, this would be coming from a nine-year-old, so I don't know if this counts, but he when we were watching The Last Jedi, he was like, oh, I like the Star Wars when they fight more. <laughs> so he was a little bored with that one. I don't blame him. That is my favorite movie ever in the Star Wars saga, but he found it a little lacking of excitement, so I could, I could feel that. I should say a, a nine-year-old's opinion about Star Wars is one of the most important opinions. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I think his complaint should be taken on board by uh, the good people at Disney and Lucasfilm. Yeah, well, and my uh, 13-year-old, he's always asking, um, every time I say, oh, there's something new Star Wars coming, like I was talking about The Mandalorian, I just said, oh, there's going to be a new Star Wars show. He just said, oh, is Ezra finally? I was like, no, sorry, buddy. So, I mean, they're just, they're dying to know what happens um, to the rest of that story. And then another funny thing is in Ukraine, the Darth Jar Jar theory, theory is a considered canon here. Um, I can't tell you how many people I've met now that, like, <laughs> Uh, have gotten into Star Wars and they 100% believe it and they made me a believer like they sat me down and went through all the evidence and now I'm with them that it was originally Lucas's plan that he had to abandon this interview's over <laughs> oh my god that should have been the opening thing we talked about that that's uh that's the headcanon of the Ukraine all right, Darth Jaja. We all we all look upon these artworks in different ways, and and we we need to accept that, no matter how baffling those ways are. But I've uh, Rose, I've had the best time talking to you. Thank you so much. Can you let the good people of the internet know how they can uh, follow you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm there on Twitter at Alderanian R. Alderanian Rose, and I just opened an Instagram account. So if you're there, you'll find me there as well. So I'm on the line. And yeah, always ready to listen and hear what you love about Star Wars and to share what I love and just um, continue to push out the joy that we get from this saga and this story. I'm hearing that. Thank you so much again. I had an awesome time. And thanks to everyone for listening. And may that force be with you. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Alderanian Rose. I had just an amazing time and I find her very inspirational and her story within Star Wars is a credit to Star Wars and Star Wars fandom. And if you enjoyed her on the show, please let her know at Alderanian Rose on Twitter. And if you enjoyed the episode with Rose, please pod it forward. Give us a retweet or a share on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or just yell it out your window. Spread the word by any means that you deem necessary to get that extra download. I would uh, so appreciate it. 
Uh, if you want to check out the Patreon, as I mentioned in the mid-episode announcements, we've got some special deals with uh, $15. We'll get you a t-shirt for the month with all the other stickers and bonus content. Postage paid. Or $5 for the month, we'll get you a bunch of stickers and all the content. Just a special deal for August to drive up some subs because we've got some really fun new shows going on. And a return of one of our favourite shows that has been on a bit of a hiatus while Harrison was uh, growing into a little boy our live streaming call-in show will be back next Wednesday night the 14th of August 7pm Pacific Time 10pm Eastern Time if you're in Australia it will be Thursday in the middle of the day I'll work it all out and I'll post it online but uh, join us in the live chat on YouTube or you can call in to listen live and interact with myself, the producer Rashad and various guests that we'll have in studio and uh, via phone around the world. It is such a fun show to do. You can call in, join the podcast. It's how we met Robbo and uh, so many of our uh, regular listeners that we love now listening to their podcasts and stuff. So join in the fun, whether it's in the live chat or on the calls or just watching at home on YouTube. We're going to have a great time and I I can't wait to get back to it. And uh, the feedback I've been hearing is uh, a few of you guys are keen to get back onto the live call-in show. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, please spread the word about this episode. I am, I'm really proud with how it turned out. Uh, Rose was an amazing guest and um, I hope I did her story justice. I really do. Thanks so much and may that force be with you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.